0: Over 140 years ago, construction began on what some do consider a modern wonder of the world, Barcelona's La Sagrada Familia Basilica. Finally, the Antonio Gaudi-designed landmark is apparently inching towards completion. Now, if you've seen it, you'll know it's astoundingly beautiful and quite unlike anything you'll see elsewhere, with its 18 spindle-shaped towers and facades that depict different aspects of the Christian faith. <laughs> Mind you, it can seem a real mix of the religious and uh, the virtually pagan. Well, in September this year, this marathon project reached a milestone. The final two towers of the Evangelists were complete. Were completed, enough to bring Barcelona's out to the street this weekend in a special celebration. Tristram Carfry is a leading structural engineer from the design company Arup that's coordinating this work. He leads one of the teams working on the site and he just happens to be on a very brief visit to Australia. Tristram, welcome. Thank you, Geraldine. What a moment in history. Indeed, it's a
1: fantastic time to see some things, some parts of the church reaching completion.
0: So tell, why is it so significant?
1: Well, that's a hard one to say. For me, it's the best building in the world, except maybe for the Sydney Opera House, but let's put that to one side for a moment. So I got involved in this 2015, eight years ago, and I still can't believe I had the opportunity to contribute to this amazing
0: edifice. Yes, I've always felt, I have been fortunate enough to see it, that it's a mixture of the religious and the pagan. To me, it's got everything. (laughs) It's literally got everything. That's why I say it's like nothing you'll actually see before. You think, is this a cathedral? What is it? Can, Can I imagine prayers here or, you know, chants from the forest sort of thing? Well, it has lots of decorative elements,
1: but I think they're all, even, even the decorations that you might think are slightly pagan have religious significance. Every single part of the church has theological meaning. And so I, I have to tune into this. I'm used to working with architects, engineers, contractors, you know, people who build things. And I turn up and say, well, we don't need seven columns there. You know, we can do it with four. And they'll say, but Tristram, there are seven deadly sins <laughs> and seven holy graces, and we will have seven columns. Thank you for your advice. And you comply. Of
0: course. As I understand it, 60% of the construction was done over 130 years and the last 40% has had to be done in less than 20 years. Now, that must imply a different construction process, does it? Absolutely.
1: And that's actually where we joined the team, is to try and enable a different construction process, which would be 10 times faster than what what had gone before. But it's, it's also because... Um, Here's the difficult thing to get your head around, Sagrada. It is entirely funded by the people who come to watch it being built. So it's it's always been cash flow limited, but now there's money arriving because of the number of people who want to come and see it while it's still being constructed. So it's a self-fulfilling building. I thought it was UNESCO funded. Nope. It's entirely privately funded, always has been.
0: Well, that is interesting because that that was very much the impression that I got, that um, it was enormous amounts of money were were being poured into it um, by people who who didn't necessarily belong to Barcelona or Gaudi or anything like that and certainly weren't religious. Well, that might be the case because, as I say, all the visitors put their... 20
1: euros in to go and visit it, for example, and that's where all the funding at the moment comes from. In the past, I'm probably not aware. There might have been money from UNESCO, but I've certainly never heard about it.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, architects and designers, I know, have gone to great lengths to stay true to uh, Antonio Gaudi's vision. He was tragically killed by an errant tram, wasn't it, while it he was yes. heading to mass. Um but for anyone who isn't familiar, maybe you could take us through the key structural and theological areas of the building, please. Oh,
1: that's a, that's a tall order. It's a very big building with, with lots of different bits. But, but fundamentally, um, during Gaudi's time, and he worked on the building for 40 years... And in the last 15 years of his life, he did nothing else except dedicate himself to Sagrada. And in his time, basically the bell towers and the entrance of the nativity facade, the east entrance, the one facing the morning sun, hence about life and the giving Mm. birth Mm. to Jesus on one, one hand and life generally on the other was constructed while he was still alive. And then it's gone on to build in the 50s. So it all paused during the Spanish Civil War. Well, unfortunately, all the design documents and models were blown up by a a bomb.
0: My goodness.
1: But luckily, because they'd been trying to raise money, it had been exhibited at various other places, published elsewhere, and all those bits were brought back and it was sort of the design was reconstructed from, you know, enough bits, if you like, that had been recorded and some of the models were glued back together again as well. And then in the 50s, they raised more money and and built the west entrance, the, the passion facade, and this one is a cubist... Wonder. One is lyrical and poetic and, and classical, and the other one is absolutely stark, cubist, and it's
0: the it's about death. Mm. It's the opposite, and yet they were both designed by Gaudi. And that one is quite well. Some people really don't like that one, do no, they? Because of its starkness. Mm. No. And and that's still not the front
1: door. You, that's still not the front door. The front door is to be the glory facade, which is down at the south end of the church, if you like, and this is to do with the Day of Judgment. Um, and at the moment we're still in the design process for that for that main entrance, still trying to interpret all the drawings, or the few drawings that Gaudi left at that end of the church. Well, what are the rules of interpretation for Gaudi's drawings? The rules are very simple. Um, try your best to channel Gaudi to understand what he was trying to do. Um, He left a few definitive rules. Every surface of the church is what we call technically a ruled surface. It's a hyperboloid, a hyperbolic paraboloid, a cylinder, a spiral, all of which can be made out of straight lines. That's one rule. Second rule is if there is a model, you have to follow it completely. And if there are drawings, then you do your best to follow them. And the reason I say best is sometimes the plans and the elevations may not be exactly the same thing, if you sort of I mean, so you've got to interpret it. And if there are no drawings and no models, then we do our best to imagine what Gaudi might have wanted. <laughs> Just,
0: what's this been
1: like? It's been amazing. It's <laughs> been the best project I've ever worked on. And the reason it's been the best project, Geraldine, is that the whole team, the client, the designers, the builders, the supply chain, and us um, engineers, were only interested in trying to keep the quality of the building as high as possible to build the best building available.
0: I mean, as an engineer then, um, has it been, just like the Opera House was, was it buildable the way Gaudi designed it or did you have to really rethink? I won't won't comment on that except to say that we are
1: building it um, and I think we are building it in the way that Gaudi would have liked No, that's a very non committal answer. Well, Gaudi was not afraid of new technology. Even during his lifetime, the pinnacles of the the bell towers were made of reinforced concrete, a a newfangled material, you know, as he was reaching the end of his life, unimaginable when he started his design. So he adapted, you know, to what was available. All I think is we've continued to do that.
0: I must say, my recollection, it is a a few years back, was, my gosh, how are they holding this all up? It was this extraordinary, um, no flying buttresses anywhere that I could see, and this amazing um, amount sitting above me. Now, how have you done that?
1: So one thing Gaudi did, and I think he taught himself this, was to work out how to make, how to design things in masonry. So stone, stone blocks, can only take compression. They're pushed together. If you try and pull them apart, they just the joints just open up. Yeah? So the joints always have to be clamped. Mm. And a traditional way of doing that is to build as much mass as you can to hold it all down, if that makes sense. Mm. But that tends to push outwards, so you end up with buttresses on the outside. Gaudi designed from the very beginning the idea he used to make a hanging chain. So he made a model of the church upside down out of chain. And the shapes the chain would adopt under the right weight is exactly the reverse of what you need to build in masonry the other way up. Oh, so he, did, he devised a physical way. And he did this, didn't he? He did this. And he made these models, and they're amazing. And that's the church itself. It, you won't notice, unless I tell you, but when you walk in the main nave, the main columns lean inward slightly. And they take this weight down in a way that doesn't push outwards because they're exactly lined up with the centre of mass up at the top of the church.
0: Was this quite trailblazing when he came up? Completely. Goodness me, what yeah. a
1: man he was. He was an amazing person, yeah. And it's, it's our humble duty, as I say, to try mm. our best, you know, to complete his edifice. And,
0: you know, didn't he sort of build from the top down rather than the bottom up? I've, I've well, heard...
1: not not quite. Most most people would have built, though, evenly from the foundations upwards. You know, all the walls would get to six foot and then to 12 foot and so on. And he built one part, to so say the nativity facade, all the way from the bottom to the top. And it's... Difficult to know why. You could, you know, and I'm guessing here entirely, I've no knowledge of this, but it's either because he wanted to make sure that everybody understood the design all the way to the top um, or it's more likely it was a big billboard because, I say, he was always trying to raise the money from private donations. So by having a piece of it all complete, you know, you can imagine it's more likely to get people inspired to, to donate money.
0: What year did he die, by the way?
1: In 1926.
0: 26, right.
1: Which is why I've must. i got to correct something you said at the beginning, which Mm. is we were aiming for 2026. But as I said, the um, funding is entirely from visitors. And with the COVID pandemic, unfortunately, there were no visitors. So we've missed two or three years of funding. And so we're we're going to be delayed. There is no set date anymore for completion.
0: Oh, because I'd seen something saying there There was. was.
1: There was, prior to COVID. And ah. we
0: were on track and on programme to complete. Look, Gaudi wasn't the original person commissioned, was he, to make this building? It was Francesco di Paola de, del Villa, de del Villa, until he quit and Gaudi stepped in.
1: Correct. And Gaudi in that time was only 30 years of age. Unknown, no built work to his name apart from a glove stand at the World Fair of 1878. So it was an amazing, you know, thing to reach out and, and, and
0: appoint this, this young man, 30 years old,
1: but all you know. the other
0: work that he did around Barcelona, had he not done... That, that, no, that was later. That was later. Mm. So Sagrada was the first thing. Mm. I didn't quite yeah. f- grasp that. Um, well, certainly I'm not sure. Some of them he might have been commissioned for already, but nothing was built yet. Oh. He used materials according to their properties, I yes. read. For instance, the structural poles holding up the centre, as you've said, centre of the church, they're all different materials. They are. Why, why so? Uh, because he, the, the, the four... There are
1: four columns that hold up the main tower and the main tower is 178 and a half metres tall, the tallest church in the world when it's finished and it sits on four columns and those columns are made of porphyry because that's the strongest stone that Gaudi could find and, in fact, it probably is the strongest stone you can find. And then the next columns, the next columns stepping outwards are made of basalt because that's the next strongest stone Then the ones beyond that are granite and then the main, the, the sort of commonplace columns are sandstone and that's all in order of strength but it also gives this beauty because porphyry's pink, and then basalt's mm. black, and granite is grey, and sandstone is sort of light and fawn. Yeah.
0: That's it. It's just such an assault on the senses. You yes. see all of these different colours, and I don't know textures. It's it takes you it takes your breath away a little it bit. It does actually. take your breath away.
1: And the other and the other one because doing without the buttresses as a structural element meant you get as much light in the church as possible. So some old churches are quite heavy when you go in. Mm. They're quite you know oppressive, if you like, but Gaudi's made this internal volume which is full of light because the windows are unobstructed and he, particularly at the, at the high levels, the stained, stained glass windows are actually made with clear glass. Only lower down are they actually coloured and that, again, is to give as much light as possible upwards. So when you walk in, you can't help but lift your eyes
0: to no, the top. No, that's true. And is Mass being said there, like our prayers being said there? Because it, they, they weren't when I was last there or very rarely... Uh, it's still rarely until we
1: complete, so at the moment it's the crypt that's used for the right. weekly prayers, but there will be a mass on the 12th of November mm-hmm. on the, for the benefit of the Evangelist Towers, which have just been completed. So I should really be talking about those. Yeah, well, let's talk about those and the sculptures on top as well. Yes, so they've been, they're something that we designed um, over the last eight years, and they were using a new type of construction whereby we make panels of stone offsite. off-site and tension them together using steel rods and then bring completed pieces about 5 metres tall and 4 metres wide to site where we assemble them like blocks of Lego. So the on-site construction process becomes what I term a sort of work of theatre, it's watching big things be placed, boom, 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 and up it goes, as opposed to lots of people scurrying around, pouring concrete and placing reinforcement, and what a normal building site looks like.
0: Mm, but, but you've got to get them up there. You've that must yeah. be quite a business. Yeah, but that's just lifting him with a crane. Um, how much of the building was finished before he died? Like, what what did he see of his wondrous creation? Uh, Truly, only that.
1: Not only that, Geraldine, it's another little unknown fact. All the bits built during his lifetime were to his first design for Sagrada. So he designed Sagrada three times. And the first design was relatively modest and simple neo-Gothic. The second design, he was exploring all these structural ideas and beginning to remove things and making it much more graceful. And the third design, he really took on the idea of catenary arches and taking forces to the ground and using columns and branching columns, unsupported and beautifully, you know, creating all this space and volume. He never saw anything built in his third design.
0: But he imagined it.
1: But he imagined it. Absolutely, and documented it.
0: It's very Michelangelo in a way, isn't it? In t- in cr- yes,
1: cause, because he was a, an artist, a, an architect, mm. a sculptor and an engineer.
0: So will you stay there to the end whenever that is?
1: If I get the chance, yes. <laughs> I, would do no, I would like nothing more than to help finish Sagrada.
0: Well, Tristram, it's been wonderful I, uh, to meet you and hear about it. Maybe I'll have to go back and see all these changes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having
1: me. It's been a great pleasure.
0: Tristram Carfry, a leading structural engineer from the design company Arup, who clearly enjoys his work. And as part of the celebrations, the Barcelona Symphonic Band has been performing inside the Basilica of the Sagrada Familia. Here's one of the songs they dedicate to the nativity facade, O Magnum Magisterium, by Morten La Rudsen. And this version is performed by the Polyphony Choir.